0: Welcome to our podcast. I'm David Kramer, coming to you from Northern California. And I'm Dave Blasco from Arizona. Dave and I have been great friends since the early 1980s when we were college roommates. And we finally found a medium to share our wisdom with the world or at least our opinions. Between us, we have two engineering degrees, two master's degrees, an economics degree, and over 60 years of work experience.
1: And we're trying to make this podcast together to try to help each other and hopefully you, the listener, save some money.
0: All right, Dave. Uh, we have a slightly different topic um, today, a little little less uh, first world problem issues. I guess it actually is though. Um, we're going to talk about Medicaid expansion.
1: Yeah, and I had suggested this. Uh, it's certainly not an area that I'm an expert in, but I've learned a, a lot about it. I suggest this because there's been two instances in my immediate family where Medicaid and Medicaid expansion has been an issue with uh, people in my immediate family and, and how to get at, uh, you know, get medical care, if
0: you will. Uh, yeah. And it's, it's interesting to hear that. And probably why it's relevant. I mean, you and I both come from comfortably middle-class, uh, upper middle-class backgrounds, let's say, uh, all of our parents are, uh, professionals of one type or another teachers and doctors, uh, and, uh, engineers and, um, just uh, one generation away, they're dealing with this, which didn't exist when we were born.
1: Yeah, and I think, I think the circumstances, at least in my family, have been folks that are taking care of elderly parents and uh, have a hard time making enough money to uh, qualify for some of the subsidies that are there under the Affordable Care Act because there's this thing called a coverage gap and specifically if you're a single person, you're a childless adult, um, if your state hasn't expanded Medicaid, then you can be out of luck where you don't have any help getting health care insurance until you get to up to 100% of the, fe- of the federal poverty level.
0: Uh, yeah, and so the expansion came under Obamacare, the Affordable Care Act, um, And it seemed like it was trying to fill a hole, which was that Americans seem uncomfortable with too much government handouts, let's say. And so Medicaid is government-funded health care insurance for the very poor. Well, yes, for the poor. Low-income folks, yep. Uh, But they couldn't just say it for the poor. It had to be for the poor and the parents of children. You had to have at least two categories to qualify. Yeah,
1: and that's where, what kind of prompted my discussion about this is folks that are uh, childhood childless adults. So you fare a little bit better if you have children, and there's nothing wrong with that, but if you happen to be a childless adult, you're chan- you are basically left out in certain states, if you will. So it's been up to the states. The thought process was that back with uh, o- Obamacare that the states would expand Medicaid. The federal government kicks in most of the money for it, but there was a step down, and, and uh, I forget exactly who took it to court, but I think one of the states took it to court. It was struck down, so states don't have to offer Medicaid as it was originally envisioned in the 2010 Affordable Care Act, if you will. So there are a number of states in the country that don't offer Medicaid, and there's a gap there.
0: Yeah, there was a Supreme Court challenge, and they thought that it was going to get struck down, that the uh, individual mandate where they said everybody, where where the, uh, the Affordable Care Act required everyone to get insurance, that that, was, uh, that that was illegal, and it was determined that that was legal, that uh, Congress has the right to tax people, and it is a tax. But hap- what happened at the same time was, though they decided, and I-, I can't quite follow the reasoning of it, but I'm not a lawyer, much less a constitutional lawyer, but that you couldn't force this on the states. They had to have the option to opt in or opt out of the Medicaid expansion. That's how I understand it as well. And a number of states have
1: expanded and some haven't. And what kind of prompted me is uh, both the folks that I'm thinking about uh, used to live in a southern state. And many of the southern states or southeastern states, I should say, have not expanded Medicaid. And both the people that I'm thinking about lived in those uh, southern states. And so I was thinking with one of them that their best option at this point would be to move to a different state, if you will, move out of this, uh, the Southern state and move to a state that has Medicaid expansion so they can um, have a job, but that job probably wouldn't qualify, potentially may not qualify them for uh, ACA subsidy, but get medical care through like a Medicaid expansion, if you will.
0: Yeah, as I was doing my research on this, most of which, by the way, uh, had to do with listening to lots of podcasts. But um, what struck me is that the late rates for eligibility—the eligibility, easy for me to say—are um, the same anywhere in the country. So, while it's conceivable, anyway, making. The same amount of money in Iowa as in Northern California isn't really comparable. No, not not given, um, especially housing prices, say, in Northern California compared to Iowa. So, Dave, I I've, I've found a bunch of facts that are surprised me a little bit, and I thought we might try a different format. Um, I'm going to propose that I quiz you and see whether your research was as good as mine. Oh, my goodness sakes. Okay. Okay. All right, Dave. So Medicaid is, uh, well, I don't want to give you any hints about how many people in the U.S. are uh, taking advantage of, well, that's not the right word. How, How many people are on Medicaid in the U.S.? I think it's 73 million, which I found staggering if I'm correct. Uh, that's the number I got. It was just under somewhere right around 70 million, but that was, uh, in 2017 and some more States have expanded since then. Yeah. One in five people in this country are, uh, on Medicaid. And I think I just looked up that up this morning. I want to give a shout out to the website
1: I found really helpful, which is the Henry J Kaiser family foundation. Uh, you can find them at KFF.org, but I spent a lot of time on that website, just doing some research uh, on uh, Medicaid, and of course, the reason we're having this podcast is the ability to get Medicaid for a single person without kids kind of prompted me to think about this and do some research and give some advice to my family members about what they should do or where they should live to get healthcare. Okay, so I'm I'm one for one so far. <laughs> right, can we well, can we can we stop now?
0: <laughs> no. Okay. So apropos of that, do you know what the limit is? For- um, the income limit is to qualify for expanded Medicaid. Okay, so
1: the the limit for to qualify for expanded Medicaid I think is 43% of the federal poverty level or about a little less than $9,000 for parents uh, who are in a family of three?
0: No, it's significantly higher than that. It is. A hundred and thirty-eight percent of the federal poverty level, which for an individual works out to seventeen thousand dollars a year.
1: That's pretty high.
0: Not around here, it's not. That would be below the that'd be about half the California minimum wage. Oh, I gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Okay, so I'm one for two. Yeah, I would. I was going to ask the percentage of uh, FPL as a follow-up question, but. You uh, you would have got that wrong, too. So let's go with that. You're one for two. <laughs> <laughs> At least I'm not blanked out. I got one question right. So what? about what fraction of births, you know, pregnancy leading to children being in the world, what, what percentage of births, or say it as a fraction, if you like, uh, are covered by Medicaid? Wow. I have no idea, but I'm going to... I was really blown away by the
1: first question. They answer to that first question, and got it right, by the way, which is about 70 million people. I want to guess, I have no idea, but I'm just going to guess, I'm have a feel, I'm going to say, I'm going to guess like
0: 35% of all births. I think that's a great guess, but it is too low. Half of births in this country are covered by Medicaid. That is mind boggling. I think it's because... It is based on income, and since you have to quit your job to have a baby, well, you know what I mean, you can't work and deliver a baby, that a lot of people who don't make a lot of money just go ahead and lower their income to qualify for this.
1: Gotcha, huh, I had not thought about that. um, that, 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 That surprises
0: me as well. All right, got another one. So on the other end of the spectrum, what fraction of nursing home patients get Medicaid benefits? This is old people living in fully assisted living care. I'm gonna guess it's high, because as I was doing the research this
1: morning, um, there are, I believe the benefits through Medicaid for assisted living is higher than on Medicare. Medicare, for our listeners, if you don't know it, it's for people who are, over, who are elderly. I'm gonna guess 65%, that's a total
0: guess. That is an excellent guess, and I will call that correct. The statistic I heard was two out of three nursing home patients get Medicaid benefits. Wow. That is is really – it's
1: higher than I would have thought. I, I learned a lot getting prepping for this podcast today. And I hope that if our listeners have any you know, anybody in that uh, situation where they you know need to think about this, do go out and do some research on this because I certainly learned a lot as I was trying to give some advice to folks in my family.
0: Yeah, it's I was surprised that it's that high. I guess if uh, Medicare doesn't have any nursing home benefit, they won't pay for that. They pay for doctors and medicine, but not for that. Um, So it seems like there's very strict rules on how much assets you can have. Uh, But I guess if you're near the end of life, it makes perfect sense to get rid of those assets. You're allowed to keep your home and your car and things like that. But um, it seems like two out of three people are doing it. Hmm. Yeah. Interesting. I wouldn't have
1: guessed that. I only got close today just because I did a little research and I was just shocked at the percentage of Americans that were um, on Medicaid. That was a really shocking statistic to me.
0: Yeah. So, keeping in mind, uh, another question, how many people, we said, you said 73 million people uh, use Medicaid. How many people are on Medicare? Ooh, huh. So that's going to be the elderly
1: population. I'm gonna, and we are getting older as a society, just be based on demographics. I I think it's, thirty five percent. Um,
0: thirty five percent of the population.
1: Oh, how many folks are? uh, What percentage
0: in millions is how I have it. I can. Oh,
1: in millions. Hold on a second. There's roughly three hundred million people in the United States. I think is what I'm using in my head. So I am going to say, um. I think there's 300 million folks. I'm going to say... I'm going to guess 100 million.
0: Okay. Yeah, there's a a little more than 300 million. 325 is what I'm using for my fractions. But um, also what I would have guessed. There are 53 million people uh, taking Medicare benefits. So 20 million less than taking Medicaid. Wow. Interesting. I know. Isn't that surprising?
1: This is surprising. Yeah. So I guess that is surprising to me. Hmm. It's thought provoking. Cause I did not look at a lot of the Medicare side of this. I did. Um, I didn't poke around at that, but it is that it's interesting. There's less people on Medicare than there are on Medicaid.
0: Yeah. And some of these statistics might be, uh, misleading. The totals might not add up because, uh, many people are eligible for more than one type of insurance. Um, I don't know if you can get Medicare and Medicaid or But um, still, I was very surprised at the small number of people on Medicare. Hmm. That is interesting. Here's one more that's only slightly related. But do you know how many people get um, uh, VA benefits, Veterans Administration health care benefits? Your mom spent her whole career there, right, or the vast majority of it as a doctor?
1: She did, and so she actually – she's actually – Gets benefits through the National Association of Letter Carriers, but I, VA benefits would be available to anybody who was in the military, and I'm going to, hmm, you want to know the number of people? Yes. Okay. I'm thinking about this, and I'm guessing it's going to be a smaller percentage than I think because we don't have a um, military service now is uh, on a volunteer basis, where many years ago it was not. Um
0: I'm going to guess 35 million people. You went high that time, Dave. One, 15 million VA benefits. Wow. So when I add that up, I was expecting an actually higher number, but that's 130 135 million out of approximately 325 uh, who get all of their health care benefits from the federal government, which I count. To be forty-two percent of the population. Wow, that's higher than I thought it would be. Yeah, and that's basically my reasoning for why we should go to single-payer Medicare for all type system. Uh, I think we're at the tipping point where the majority, certainly a plurality, get their insurance from uh, the federal government in one shape or form.
1: Yeah, i, I believe it's gonna. I believe be cheaper, and so just, I'm a I'm a value guy, so I. I'm for it because I think we could make it cheaper for everybody and healthcare costs are too high in the United States and our healthcare outcomes just aren't as good as say, other Western societies that pay a lot less. So
0: for me, it's a value proposition. Uh, not to change the subject, but did you, uh, read about that interview with the CEO of Gilead? He was in, called in front of Congress this week. No, I did not see that. Uh, I find uh, AOC Alexandria Orcasio Cortez uh, I find her to be very uh, amusing and inspiring, and uh, she grilled him and got him to admit that uh, they charge just under two thousand dollars a month for that uh, HIV drug that sells for eight dollars in Europe.
1: Wow, it's just that's
0: mind-boggling. Uh, yeah, and there's an argument that the uh, the federal government has the patent on that, but they're not enforcing it. But if somebody well, doesn't pay for developing drugs, we won't have them. So I have mixed feelings about it. But that was surprising to me. Huh, interesting. I did not see that. Mm. Uh, so I got a couple more quiz. How? What percentage of the federal budget is spent on Medicaid?
1: a good question and i'm pausing to think here for a second so i believe a third of the federal government budget is spent on medicaid ten percent ten percent okay because what i was thinking is two-thirds of the government spending i want to say roughly is on um i want to say social security and medicare and medicaid and so that breakout well oh, it's smaller than i thought it would be
0: well a big chunk of it is spent uh interest on the debt if you recall Tis true right um, but I don't actually have those numbers in front of me. What percentage of state spending is uh, on Medicaid?
1: And that would be all states. Yes, as, as an average. Because what I'm the what I'm thinking about. One of the things I the reason for the podcast is there's this dichotomy because some states have expanded and some haven't. So I'd imagine that states that haven't expanded
0: would be a much smaller proportion. Okay. Well, before I, you answer the question, let's address that. Ironically, I think that is not true because. once it was determined... Well, anyway, the federal government put a lot of effort into incenting the states to try and sign up for Medicaid expansion. Mm -hmm. And uh, whereas, I think they pay something like 70% of Medicaid benefits for people who qualified under the old programs, Mm -hmm. they were paying... They're still paying 93% of it for the expanded coverage. And when they started, it was 100%. And it's going to... They're going to pay 90% once it flattens out and I think it's 2025 or something like that. I think it's next I think it was 90% next year cuz
1: I'm looking at my notes that I took today and you're you're right in 2014 it was 100%. It was it stepped down to 95% in 17 and like you said it's uh, 93% this year and steps down to 90% next year. So what percentage do state's pay of Medicaid? Yes. Hmm. 15%. 20%. So that was a good guess. Interesting. I I think I went with the federal I just guessed what the federal government rate was. <laughs>
0: um yeah, the the math on it is pretty confusing on a state by state basis cuz if you do the argument is, right, if you don't give people insurance, they will wait till they're really sick and go to the emergency room and you're not allowed to turn People away from the emergency room so one of the arguments in states with well i guess all states have rural populations but uh, when they did enact medicare expansion that missing middle there um, were then able to pay their hospital bills uh and get regular care um, and those unreimbursed costs were really crushing uh rural hospitals hospitals yep yeah, that some huge chunk of their uh, outlay was for free patients. I was, um, I w- like I
1: said, I I used the uh, Kaiser Family Foundation website, ex- uh, uh, not extensively, but I'll, I used them quite a bit for the research. And there was some, there are folks doing research on that to take a look at if you do expand Medicaid, does it actually lower the cost where people, uh, or what bene- what positive benefits should it bring, and and they. I was looking at a study that was looking at the outcome for hospitals, it appeared to be better because they were getting paid, if you will, and didn't have to bear the cost of, say, someone who came into the emergency room who was not well and needed to be covered and they had no insurance. Yeah,
0: it seems like the reason people resist this is because, in part because the Medicaid coverage is much better in a lot of ways than the coverage you or I have, or certainly the coverage you get if you buy into the exchanges at the bottom of it. You know, those tend to have large deductibles and definitely co-pays, and you don't have any of that on Medicaid as I understand it. That's
1: what I understand, but I I am not an expert. I think, again, I'm just looking at this from helping my family members out and, and saying, hey, it might be time to move from one state to another
0: to better take care of yourself medically. I didn't take a note on it, but I think there were only 13, possibly 14 states that haven't expanded it in one way or another. I I think you're right. I'm looking at the map right here, and it's
1: somewhere around that uh, area. And most of them, I'm not sure why, most of them appear to be mostly congregated in the southeast for some reason. They did do it in
0: Arizona, though, correct?
1: Yeah, so they passed it here, and I, I had a family member move to Arizona taking care of a, a relative, and uh, that, that uh, qualified for Medicaid, so that's a good thing. Um, I've got another relative in Florida right now, and Florida has not passed the expansion, and I'm um, encouraging that person to, to move out of state uh, because I think it'd be better for, for that person.
0: The controversy in the there's there's three or four states now that are, are trying to get it passed, I'll say, like in Utah, there was a um, uh, a ballot measure. And so I, I think the citizens voted overwhelmingly to expand Medicaid and it's getting seems to be getting blocked by the legislature there, uh, which is disappointing.
1: Yeah, I think I, uh, yeah, I, did, I did see some information about that. And I also thought that maybe Nebraska and Idaho maybe were working towards providing coverage or in some form of trying to work towards going from not to having it.
0: Yeah, it seems like the compromise is to put work requirements on it, which uh, the Obama administration wouldn't allow, but the uh, Trump administration is encouraging.
1: Yeah, I'll tell you just from my family's perspective, though, the issue that really drove this was somebody was taking care of a sick parent that, who couldn't be alone, if you will, wanted to stay in their home. And it was hard to hold the job down and and be there for their parent that you couldn't, you couldn't let that parent be alone, if you will. And it seems like that's probably gonna be a recurring issue with our population getting older and older where somebody might wanna stay and help a parent out, but they can't, make enough money to pay someone to watch them. So they just, they're the person watching their parent, but then they can't qualify. Um, it's certainly in this case where this person is a single adult and they you know, no kids.
0: Yeah. I think that's where the real challenge with these work rules that they're trying to require in Utah and places like that comes is that I think everybody agrees that that's a legitimate effort. You know, you're not an able bodied person sitting on the couch. You're right. doing something, but, uh, there's nobody to document it. H- how do you prove that I spent 160 hours this month watching an elderly person to make sure they were safe and up with their care when I'm volunteering my time? Right. Right. So I, I don't know, I don't know how you solve
1: that problem. Um, in the case of the person I'm thinking about, uh, the person she was watching passed away recently and now the doesn't have, it doesn't have to do that. Now it's time to go back into the workforce again. But, uh, uh, my advice is to move out of that state where they don't have Medicaid expansion and and, and move to a state, uh, a low-cost state, another low-cost state that has, uh, the, I'm sorry, the Medicaid expansion. I I may have misspoke previously.
0: Hmm. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. Um, it, though you are getting a lot more federal money if you approve this expansion for your state, you do have to come up with some more funds. So I guess I misanalyzed that. But... Nine of the states that of the 34 that did it are using taxes to help pay for it, new taxes, on cigarettes or alcohol, which mm-hmm. sounds sounds like a virtuous circle there. Sounds reasonable to me, yeah. But other ones are doing it on hospitals, health providers, or health plan fees. And that, I don't know, that feels counterintuitive to make me. it more expensive to go to the doctor so you don't want to go to the doctor. Uh, yeah, but then you're, I don't know you're putting more weight on the back of the 55% of people who pay for their own health care or whose employer pays for their health care. Right. So uh, another argument for single payer.
1: I think it'd be cheaper.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, the VA does it. Uh, VA is the largest bureaucracy in the federal government. I, I forgot what the number is, 300,000 or 800,000 employees, but it's it's huge. Um, not that they haven't had some challenges, but uh, in general, I think the country is proud of that benefit to take care of people who have given us that kind of service.
1: Yeah, they've certainly had bad publicity, as you said, um, in recent years. But um, it's interesting, you know, you look at uh, some other uh, Western societies have single payer and they, they pay a little bit less on average than we do and have a little bit higher life expectancy. So on average, it appears to be working and I've never lived in under that scenario, but I gotta believe that it might be an opportunity for us to reduce the amount of money that we spend per person and potentially have as good as, or hopefully better outcomes than we're getting
0: today. You know what, Dave, I think we're going to have to have a follow-up episode because I think I need to go do some research on how you get a senior to qualify for Medicaid support in um, in nursing facilities. Um, I've been lucky, haven't had to deal with that yet, but um, eventually this happens. It'll happen to you and me more, well, unless we get shot by a jealous husband. <laughs> 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 uh, my goodness sakes. Uh, so yeah, that's the optimistic look at it. But um, it's very likely to happen to other people in our family and uh, uh, figure out how you de asset yourself so you qualify for this benefit. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll put that on a list for
1: future podcasts. But I think I think I enjoyed uh, walking through this today, and it's something to think about. Especially, I'm sure all of our folks probably have somebody potentially in this situation. So it's it's something to think about. And, and from my, my big thing was where you live makes a difference.
0: Yeah, and uh, you and I are both well employed, but um, you know, a divorce, a tragedy, healthcare. Uh, unreimbursed health care expenses, it wouldn't be that hard to... Uh, hopefully more than one paycheck, but not that far away from having to deal with this kind of stuff. Yeah. All, All right, right, Dave. That wasn't our most fun episode, but uh, it was very interesting, very uh, uh, educational, let's say. It, it was. All right. Well, um... If anybody has any other suggestions uh, for follow-up episodes or other research you think we should do, or if you think we're way out of line and should apologize to anybody, um, you can reach us by email. Uh, It's DaveSquaredPodcast at gmail.com. All right, Mr. Kramer. All right. Talk to you next time. Enjoy the rest of your weekend. Thank you.